0: Here's Pastor Scott. I want to preach to you this morning out of Proverbs chapter 17. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 17. If you don't have it, these verses should be on your screen. Here's what I want you to do. Same thing as always. I want you to prepare your heart and your mind to hear what God has to say to you. Don't think about how this sermon could impact your children, your spouse, somebody else. Believe with me today that God is real. Does anybody believe that? (laughs) Believe with me today that this Bible is a better book than any other book ever written. Believe with me that this book is a living word and that God can speak to us through it. I have people from time to time text me, email me, and let me know that they really got something out of the service or the sermon really touched them, said something to them. I tell them the same thing all the time. That says more about your listening than it does my speaking. I speak the same way I've been doing this for four decades. What I'm going to say is no different today than the way I'd say it next week, next month, or last year. But your willingness to listen determines whether or not you receive today. Your willingness to hear and believe that God can speak to you today is really going to determine if you get anything out of it. So I want you to open your ears and open your heart to receive what God has for you this morning. In Proverbs 17, verse 9, The Bible says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Let Love Win. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for this time that you've given us to gather in your name. God, I pray that you'd speak to your children this morning. Increase our faith, God. Teach us what you would have us to know. God, I thank you for the love that you showed us on Calvary and the love that you continue to show us every day by giving us life. Father, we sanctify this time to you now, and I ask you to anoint my mouth and my mind. Allow me to say things that would honor you today. Guide us by your spirit, from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Let love win. I am not going to... Do a lot of drawn out teaching this morning. I'm going to throw some bullets at you, some bullet points out of the Bible, and let you grab them and run with them, take them home, study them or not, because I can't exhaust a subject in the time that I have. Whenever you hear someone teach or preach, you need to understand that's God's grace to you, His love to you, Him trying to whet your appetite for something but if you don't take it and go home and look at it again it's just going to flush out of your system if you don't take it and go home and study it and let God speak to your heart about it it's not going to stick with you and we don't need to just hear sermons we need to let the word get inside us so when the world squeezes us that word can come back out from us I've done a lot of counseling in my life I've went to school to learn how to counsel people and how to talk to people through grief listen the majority of arguments are based on someone wanting to win and so it's been over the last 20 years i heard this expression about 20 years ago and i hear it more and more often when people are having conflict here's here's a good question to ask would you rather be right or would you rather show love would you rather win this fight or would you rather get along Let me say it to you in in a way that you can understand it better, fellas. You you, want to win this argument with her, or you want to sleep in that bed tonight? Okay? Sometimes you have to put your foot down and stand for what's right. I'm never going to be weak, soft, and backing up from the truth. But it's got to be as brothers and sisters in Christ, as followers of this book, we've got to understand that it's more important to maintain our love relationship than it is to be right all the time. The, the scripture says that love prospers, Proverbs 17, 9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. Our vision for 2017 is getting serious about getting healthy this year. And some of you are still waiting for your 2017 health check to kick in. I, I, I got good news and I got bad news for you. We're almost one quarter gone out of 2017. 2017. The good news is we're moving through. We've been through three months this year already, and you're still alive and you're still in church praising God. That's an awesome thing. The the flip side to that is if you haven't started doing in 2017 what God laid on your heart to do, if you haven't started optimizing 2017 yet, if you got involved in a New Year's thought process where you thought, I'm going to do better this year, I'm going to love God more this year, I'm going to get more involved, I'm going to be a man of God, a woman of God this year, and you haven't got involved with that, listen, we're 25% done with this year already. You need to wake up. Look at somebody and say, wake up. We're talking about getting healthy on five different levels. We're talking about getting healthy physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and financially. These are the five realms of life that each person exists on. You need to pay attention to your spiritual life, to your financial life, to your physical life, emotions, and relationships. And this morning, I want to speak to you about relationships. Every one of us has relationships. Everyone in the room is not married. Everyone in the room does not have a house full of kids living with them. But everyone in the room has relationships. We're built by God to be in relationship with other people. You want to find somebody who's truly miserable, who's not living the life that God has for them? Find somebody who's locked away into their self. Find somebody who only hangs out with with them, and you'll know that there's trouble there. God said it's not good for humans to be alone. Are you hearing me this morning? It's not good to be by yourself all the time. Uh, my kids have fallen in love with the movie Karate Kid, not the new Karate Kid, the old Daniel and Miyagi Karate Kid. They like to play movies in the Navigator when we go on trips, and they've just been wearing me out. So I get to hear these movies playing on the DVD behind me, and they just watch it until they memorize the whole thing, and then they just talk through the whole movie. But they've been watching this, and there's a scene in there where because life has done Daniel wrong, and he's been hurt, and he's scared, he's staying away from everyone, and the old wise man says, "Uh, me think you're too alone. Uh, you, too much time by self, Daniel's son. And Daniel says, I'm not by myself. I'm with you. He, he said, a young bee need, need, need uh, young, young, another young bee to make honey with, not old prune. Listen, you, you don't need to be by yourself all the time. You need to realize God said that two are better than one. And a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Listen, marriage is not for everybody, but relationships are for everybody. God created you. You were born with relationships. You came into the world with a mother and a father. Most of us came into the world with siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles. You were born into a world through relationships. Somebody had to have relations. Are you following that? See, that, that's old school, deep south. Are they having relations? Y'all don't remember? Hercules, Hercules. They were having, they, she wanted to know, was Professor Klump having relations? Listen, you were born through someone having a relationship. Can you say amen? We need to get healthy in our relationships. The devil has always sought to attack what God wants to bless. And God started this world through a family. With Adam and Eve. I'm going to say it all the time because it's old school and I love being old school plus it rhymes. And that's cool when you can do that. But God put two people in the garden. Adam and Eve. not Not Adam and Steve. God created them man and woman. Let me tell you something. God never intended for a man to be with a man the way a man is with a woman. Or for a woman to be with a woman the way a woman is with a man. Your body functions ought to tell you that. He created us to to link together. Listen, I'm telling you, it's so wild now. They're locking preachers up for preaching the truth. And I I tell you all all the time, to me, I don't believe homosexuality is any different of a sin than overeating. I don't believe that, that smoking is any different of a sin than gossiping. I don't believe that whoremongering is any different of a sin than being mean to your neighbor. Sin is sin, but just because culture accepts one sin over the other doesn't mean that the church should change its position. I see... That e- even in nature, listen, I, I, know, I know a lot of people who are gay, and, and I love everybody because God told us to love everybody. But have you ever noticed even in certain couples, let's take two dudes. Two dudes hook up together, which is, you know, unnatural, but it, it is what it is, and we can't just bury our head in the sand and act like it doesn't happen. What, what typically happens when, when you got two dudes being unnatural together in a relationship? One of them is soft and one of them is hard. You get two girls hooking up. typical, that's not always the way, but one of them is usually soft and one you know, I'm talking about you know those girls got short hair, a little black comb in their back pocket. Watch out. you know, kind of girl walk around beating up all the guys. Listen, this, this, They know they supposed to be a dude and a chick, but you can't fake what you don't have, Bruce Jenner. Hey. Abs, hey. They took away from us the man off the Wheaties box, y'all, and made him the woman of the year. Let me keep moving. All, see, we, the devil wants to twist what God does. God is a creator, and the devil is an imitator. God created Adam and Eve, and he meant for men to be men and women to be women so we could have families and we could have children. If it wasn't for male and female, the earth would stop existing because we wouldn't even be able to reproduce after our own kind. You were born through a relationship, and God wants you to be in many different types of relationships. There's some relationships you need to steer clear of, but we're going to talk about that later. Listen. I want you to think about this morning how are your relationships going? Before you can figure out how they're going, you got to define who you're in relationship with. Okay, so let's start with, with the basics. And it, it just it drives most men crazy. When a kid gets on TV and he just threw the winning pass or, or caught the winning touchdown or hits the home winning home run, he always says thanks to who? And every dad wants to throw something. I mean, I, I guess it's hey. I know some women were the the ones that taught their son how to throw a ball. Some women were the ones their son got their athleticism from. So cool. Thank mom. But we'll start with where relationships typically hit home with most people, with their mother. Think about your relationship today with your mom. How are you doing in that relationship? Think about your relationship with your father. How are you doing in that relationship? Think about your relationship with your biological brothers and sisters. How are you doing there? And then think about your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ and ask yourself honestly, how are you doing there? I've told you all before, my mom always says, send me my flowers while I'm living. I've been to so many funerals and preached so many funerals that were so sad because people weeping and just can't settle their heart and and tell me, Pastor, the last words we spoke were in anger. Or tell me, I hadn't seen my brother in 11 years, and and I'm sad that this is the last time I'll ever see him again. Don't let relationships dwindle to where you're going to only be giving somebody a flower on their grave. Love people while you have them. Send them flowers while they're living. If you can't afford to send them flowers, write them a handwritten note. Listen, Technology's made life too easy. It's, it's made life too lazy. Kids don't even have to know how to add or subtract anymore. They just pull out a phone and got a calculator on it. Pe- people got so bad at giving change back at registers. Y'all remember when we were growing up? If you're my age or older, if you're in here fifty plus, you actually had to be able to know how to give back change. Seventeen dollars and twenty six cents. You better know how to give give back what six dollars and seventy four cents. You got to be able to understand how to make change. Not today. They, they just put it in there, and it tells them exactly how much money to give back. So culture technology has helped in some ways, but it has hurt in some ways, too. Go next time you're out to eat. Watch, see what happens. Look at the couple across from you. Two, two people on a date, dude and a woman, hopefully. And both sitting there on their phone the whole time. Drag it out, extend it out. Man, woman, and a couple of children, all four of them sitting there on their phone at, at, at one time. All of them sitting there not paying attention to each other, paying attention to their phone. Listen, the phone is a great thing, but it's made us lazy. When's the last time you wrote somebody a letter? Well, why in the world we write letters? We, we had email. Listen, if you're still using email, you may as well burn that thing. Nobody reads email anymore. Don't don't send email. I got over forty-five thousand emails in my in my Outlook box. They ain't even open yet. They they say that the average person takes five to seven days to open their email, but the average person opens their text within the first ninety seconds. See, we used to think snail mail was putting a letter in a mailbox, and email was the was the thing. Well, now email is the old version of snail mail, and now texting. So letter writing is out, emailing is out, shooting someone a text. That's cool. But listen, I can't read your emotion in a text. Oh, you can't with me, Pastor, because I got all the cool emoticons. They don't mean the same thing to me they mean to you. Some, Some little weird face, you know, I don't know if it's whistling or blowing a kiss out the left side of his mouth all up. What is that? Don't send me no foolishness like that. Talk to me. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Write them a note. Tell them you love them. Or... Send them a text with somebody blowing something out of their lips on the left-hand side. I, but you got to learn how to build relationships. Look at somebody and say, build it. you got to build relationships. The tough thing, though, is once you have relationships, once you've built a relationship, once you acknowledge your relationships, that takes work to maintain it. Mm. Everything left alone is in a state of de- degrading. You, you leave an apple outside by itself, come back in a few years. Well, everything but McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> Did y'all see that test? They took a McDonald's hamburger, put it under the front seat of a car in a junkyard in the heat, left it there for a year, came back, opened it up out of the wrapper, had not changed in color, consistency, or taste. I want to know who they got to verify that. I mean, are, are you signing up? Oh, here, here's a 49-cent cheeseburger. It's been sitting in his car for a year. Taste how that tastes. Besides McDonald's hamburgers, and you can taste the preservatives in that, besides McDonald's hamburgers, everything left alone will fall apart. Your relationships left alone will fall apart. That's the problem. We don't like work in 2017. We don't don't foster a strong work ethic uh, among younger people in this culture. But if we're going to have good relationships, good relationships require work. God commanded us to do work in Genesis. But many people think, oh, if Adam and Eve hadn't messed up, we'd all be butt naked on a beach drinking Mai Tais. Well, we might be butt naked on a beach drinking Mai Tais, but we'd still be working. Work was not a consequence of the fall in the Garden of Eden. Work was not a consequence of sin. God gave man to work before there was sin. Because work is productive, and productivity makes you feel good about yourself and gives you a reason to get up and get moving. Don't ever think that work is a bad thing. There's lots of good things to work at. Listen, some of y'all have been working at being fans of certain colleges that keep losing. Keep pressing your way. Keep pressing your way. My, my, we've got fat heads. We've got a, a room in my a loft upstairs. We've got like seven fat heads, big giant uh, posters. we got some of great champions like Paul Pearson, the Boston Celtics, and, you know, the winningest franchise in the history of the NBA. I'm a Boston Celtics fan, been my whole life. My youngest son, Seth, for, for reasons unknown, is a Phoenix Suns fan. Now, Phoenix and Boston are about as far apart as you can be geographically and on the winner scale, okay? But I I told my son, you don't have to pull for a front runner. Pull for who you like. Maybe one day, 10 years, 20 years, 300 years, Phoenix will win something. But you've got to work on building your relationship, and you've got to decide that you are in it to win it. You only have one mom. You can't replace her. You can tell her I'm done with you but she's still your mom. Your children are your children. You can't replace them. You can tell them that you're done with them, but they're still your children. Your brothers and sisters are your brothers and sisters. You can't replace them. You can tell them that you're done with them, but you can't get rid of them. The relationships that you were born into, you cannot change. And the relationships that, listen, God allows you to have should be built up. God brings people into your life. Whoever's in your life right now, you need to understand there's a reason for that happening. The reason may be so God can use you to show them that their lifestyle is is wrong and faulty and arbitrary to Scripture. Because the Bible tells us that as Christians, we should withdraw from every person who walks disorderly and not according to the commandments of this book. But what about my homeboy? Well, if your homeboy ain't living Scripture, you need to not be homeboys no more. But you said we were brought into a relationship for a purpose. Yes, your purpose is to let your homeboy know, listen, I'm trying to get my life right with God, and I can't be hanging out with you doing that stuff anymore. The Bible says that when we correct people who are living wrong, that we give them a chance to see their wrongdoing and possibly may help lead them in a right way. Your relationships are there for a purpose. God commanded us to love each other. When the young uh, scribe came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one's like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving people are the two biggest commandments in the Bible. Those are the two big things that Jesus said you have to do. He actually went on to say, on this hang all the law and the prophets. And what he meant was everything written and everything that's ever been said about God can be summed up in these two things. Love God and love people. Well, that sounds simple, but it's not. It's not simple because we'd rather love ourselves than to love someone greater than us, and we'd rather love ourselves than to love someone equal to us. So, loving God and loving people sounds good, but it's got to be more than just talk. God commanded us to do it. So, let's let's see what our text says again. Proverbs 17:9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Comma Always pause on the punctuation. Take Scripture in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down on the inside of you. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. All right? We talk a lot about how to understand the Bible at Abundant Life. I've taught you lots of principles and keys, hermeneutics to understanding Scripture. One of them is inference, the law of inference. Everything that is said is said. Some things that are not said are inferred. You have to understand the law of inference, inference to understand any. Piece of literature. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Guess what happens if you don't forgive a fault? Love does not prosper. This is the word of the Lord. Love does not prosper in your bitterness. Love does not prosper in your unforgiveness. Love cannot prosper while you're holding yourself hostage to your own hatred. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven we can't obey God unless we love God and love people and we can't love God and love people walking around with unforgiveness on the inside of us I believe that unforgiveness is holding people back as much as any single thing that I could put my finger on people walking around still haven't yet forgiven mama for what mama did to them still haven't yet forgiven daddy for what daddy did to them still haven't yet forgiven themselves for what they did in their own life Listen, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. The apostle Paul when he was talking to his friends at Philippi, he told them, "The thing that I do that helps me more than anything else is to forget the past. Leave the past in the past and move on. It's 2017. It's time to move on. None of us have done all that we need to do, and as long as we're staying connected to the past, we're never going to do what God's telling us to do. So you got to cut the cord and move on. Are you hearing me? Cut the cord and Move on. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but, mm, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Well, it's going to show us something different. It's going to show us the flip side to the coin. It's going to show us the other of what God wants. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. I'm going to tell you something. It's easier to keep hate alive than it is to keep love alive. Why? Because haterate's free. People drinking haterate all the time, pouring haterate. You never run out of haterate. But love has to be worked on. Hate will just fuel itself and just just boil up inside you. Love has to continually be nurtured and cared for. And if you allow yourself to dwell on past hurts, then you're never going to be the man the woman God created you to be. If you allow yourself to dwell on past injustice, then you're never going to allow God to move in your life like you should. That's why so much leading up to this presidential election, I kept telling you, I'm just going to be glad when it's over. I'm going to be glad when it's over and we can get back to being, you know, just the body of Christ. Well, that, that still hadn't happened because... Politicians are all, I'm going to tell, tell you what I told you all before, it's no different than wrestling. The good guys aren't necessarily good guys, and the bad guys aren't necessarily bad guys. They're all in it for themselves. They're all making big money, and none of them know what it's like to be us, but I'm ready for Christians to stop being politicians when it comes to each other. If you only love people that are of your same color, then you're disrespecting the entire world of people. If you only love people that are your same political party, then you're disrespecting the entire group of people. If you only love people that live on your side of the tracks, then you're not doing what God has called you to do. We can't just dwell on it. Listen, I see every day social media flooded with people still dwelling on this, this election. I, I, I'm ready for the world to Christian world to look to Jesus. I told y'all the person I wanted was out early. I didn't I didn't have a dog in this race, but I knew that no matter who got elected into this office, going to be a lot of people happy and a lot of people mad. We can't just continue to live on past insults and pain and difficulty. We got to get on with the getting on. We got to realize that no matter who's in the White House, Jesus is still on the throne. Because dwelling on stuff that you're upset about is only going to cause separation between close friends. So it says the first half of the verse is love prospers when a fault is forgiven. In another translation, the same verse, Proverbs 17:9 says, Whoever conceals an offense promotes love. Many other versions say whoever covers. The Hebrew word literally means to cover over. Not to cover up, but to cover over. God's not interested in us covering up sin, but he is interested in us covering over offenses. One of the most sought-after speakers in America right now is a preacher named John Bevere. John Bevere wrote a book about overcoming offense and the spirit of offense because there's so many Christians that are out of church right now because they got offended by somebody. Talk to some of your Christian friends. Ask them where they go to church. Well, I'm not in church right now. Why aren't you in church right now? Well, I got mad at the preacher. Oh, so you were going to church for the preacher. Nah, you had the wrong answer. Well, my, 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 my good Christian friend let me down so I don't trust Christians anymore. Oh, you were going to church for the people. Nah, wrong answer. Do you realize Jesus has never let anybody down? That's why people tell me that they're not in church because they got church hurt. You can't get church hurt. You're going to get people hurt. So you, you don't stop going to the grocery store because people hurt you. You you don't stop going to the bathroom. If you live in a house with somebody else and you go to the same bathroom, you don't stop going, well, I'm not going to the bathroom anymore because I don't like the way she talked to me. You better go to the bathroom. You're going to have some issues. And your floor is going to have some worse issues. And then somebody's going to have to clean something up. Listen, we have got to realize We don't come to church for the preacher. We don't come to church for the people. And if all y'all act crazy and funky anyway, God is still God, and we're still going to love him and worship him and give him praise anyhow. But if you don't pay attention to concealing, to covering over, to forgiving offense, then you are going to be devastated in your own life. This is what's happening right now. I've told y'all when I was coming up in Bible college, they talked to us about two different types of people: saved and unsaved, or they called them churched and unchurched. Well, the reality is now there's a large group of people out there that are a third category unto themselves. Now you got saved and unsaved, you got church and unchurched still, but now you got this group of people called the dechurched. They used to be in church, but they're not in church anymore. Preachers, pastors, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, worshipers, singers, people that used to serve God at a high level, not in church anymore. Why? Because somebody hurt their little feelings. Get over it. Well, you don't know how wrong they did me. Uh, does that mean Jesus is not worth worshiping anymore? Well, you don't know how disappointed I was when I found out that, that my spiritual mother was on the side. Was, well, you, are, do you worship her? Who is your worship unto? Because God has never let anyone down. Jesus has never wronged anyone. We, we've got to learn how to get past being offended. And, and, and I'm going to keep saying it until I stop hearing about people being offended. Because I hear it all, I'm just so offended. I heard so and so did such and such and that just offends me. Really? You ain't read your Bible in three weeks. Are you offended at yourself? Oh, no, you don't. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and thought, I don't pray like I should. I'm so offended, I'm going to just throw my tooth. Walk around with toothpaste in your mouth for the rest of your life. Why? Because I'm offended. You don't get offended at you. You think you're okay. You think God's got grace and forgiveness for you. You think God's got mercy for you. You think God's got a second chance for you. But you want to hold everybody else to your level of hurt. Too many people walking around with hurt on their sleeve. Too many people walking around with still crying and whining over problems in their past. Too many people walking around dwelling on offense. The Bible says you've you got to get over that. you got to conceal that. you got to forgive an offense. That, that's what promotes love. But whoever gossip about it separates friends. Now, you all know you've been in church any length of time. You've been alive any length of time. You know gossip is not a good thing. And I'm going to tell you what I told the leaders of our church two weeks ago. Gossip is gossip even if it's true. Are you following me? Well, I'm just telling the truth. Were you telling it with love and grace, hoping for the best outcome? No. You were telling it because it made you feel good to, to splash haterade on somebody else. God is not about you throwing shade on other people. God is not looking for you to be someone else's judge. God said he's got that. So let's leave everybody else alone because the trick of the devil is to try to get you thinking about how wrong someone else is so you won't deal with how wrong you are. The trick is to get you pointing at someone else so you won't realize you have fingers pointing back at you. The trick of the devil is to get you to concentrate on how somebody else ain't the Christian they claim to be so you won't realize that you haven't been the Christian that you claim to be. Taken from these multiple translations, from older, more modern translations, I see three things that we need to do when it comes to fault, when it comes to offense, when it comes to problems. We need to make sure that we don't dwell on it, we don't gossip about it, and we don't repeat it. The Bible says don't dwell on it, don't gossip about it, don't even repeat it. If you know dirt, why why is dirt so fun to throw? You ever realize that? If I shared something really cool with somebody in this room this morning, the chance of that getting promoted is, is minimal. If I told you who just slept with so and so's wife and the children walked in on them, how long do you think that'd take to make the phone run? That gets out. Why does dirt get out faster than purity? Why why are the news reports listen, I do not like watching the news. Why? Because it's all negative. It's all disastrous. It'll make you depressed. It's all about somebody getting arrested and somebody getting killed and somebody getting trashed on. Why do people want dirt? I'll tell you why. Psychologically, there's, there's an imperfection in, in our brain. Psychologically, there's an imperfection in our mind that causes us to think if, if we can talk about how bad somebody else is, we build ourselves up. Listen, it doesn't matter how bad you say somebody else is. You is still you. Do you get me? You don't change by trashing somebody else. Your garbage doesn't get any cleaner by pointing, well, at least I don't do so and so. That don't make your room any cleaner. Well, at least I don't have all my clothes on the floor. It's still a pigsty. There's something in our mind, though, that causes us to want to justify and say that if we're not the worst apple in the whole bunch, that we're not rotten. Listen, if you're rotten, you're rotten. Well, I ain't as rotten as her. It doesn't make you any better. We need to learn to deal with us. We need to get healthy in 2017. We need to stop looking at everyone else and start allowing the great physician to work on us. And we need to let God work on us in the area of relationships. So when you hear, they, they even make it sound good, something juicy. Now, if someone says, oh, man, I got something juicy to tell you. You think they're about to say something pure and holy or they're about to give you something that's a little rough? It's not about to be pure. It's juicy. It's, 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 I got something good. Girl, I got something to tell you next time I see you. Uh, y'all crack me up. I have some of you, people calling me like, "Pasha, I, I need to meet with you. What do you need to meet about? I'd rather not talk about it on the phone. What, you think we on a party line? <laughs> you, th- you, you, you think the people next door listening in? Y'all ain't even old enough to remember party lines. Me and my sister used to go to my grandmother's house in Rayville, Louisiana every summer, and I used to love that phone because you could pick up the phone anytime, day or night, and listen to folk talking on it. Anybody remember them old party lines? You'd just pick the phone up, hold it to your ear, and they'd just be going off. And as soon as they heard you, though, they'd want to know, who's on this line? Extra, extra, read all about it. There are no more party lines in America. Well, I can't talk, I'd i rather not do I, I just don't feel comfortable talking about that on the phone. Listen, if they're bugging the phone, they're bugging the air, air, air conditioner ducks. <laughs> if, if, they're, if they can hear you on your phone, listen. you, hey, when I was flying across country and I was looking at my phone and all of a sudden I saw the time change, I'm like, holy cow. They are watching so close, they knew we just flew over a time zone. Listen, they're watching and listening anyway. People, oh, I, I can't talk about that on the phone. If you can't talk about it on the phone, you probably don't need to talk about it much. We've got to understand, when you hear something that you're prompted to go tell people, you need to pause on that. And you need to ask yourself, is this really beneficial? Is this going to help who I'm going to tell it to, or is it going to hurt them? This is going to help me? Can I say this with grace and love, protecting and covering for my brother and sister in Christ? Because the Bible tells us not to gossip about it, not, not, not to dwell on it, and not to repeat it. Some of y'all have been dwelling on your past too much. You need to let that go. Some of y'all have been dwelling on what's right and what's wrong too long. You need to let that go, and you need to learn how to live in the now. If you don't learn to live in the now, life's going to pass you by. Some people are just hoping, hoping, and hoping that they could Be older. They could be grown and get into the season of their life they're ready for. Listen, enjoy the season you're in right now. This is the only today you'll ever get. Some people are so attached to their past. They're so hurt by their past. They wish they could just get away from what has been holding them. Listen, you need to disconnect from that. Stop dwelling on that. Stop rehearsing it in your mind and move on. Say move on. Talking about relationships, 1 Peter 4, 8 reflecting on what God has already said in the book of Proverbs, St. Peter comes along and says, Most important of all, comma. Stop and pause on that. Most important of all. We've talked about phrases like this in the Bible before. When the writer of a portion of Scripture says, Most important of all, guess what's going on? He's about to say something big. Say big. Something huge is about to come out. This, This is something that we need to wake up and listen to. Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other. Now, if I tell you to continue to show deep love for somebody, what what am I inferring? That you've been showing deep love for them. I want you to think in your mind, is there anybody that you used to love and be really close to that you ain't really close to no more? Is there anybody that you used to love and be really close to that that you've stopped loving them and you've stopped showing deep love for them? You need to make that right. For love covers a multitude of sins. Why should we continue to show deep love for one another? Because love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible says that God gave us forgiveness freely. We didn't have to crawl across broken glass to get forgiven. We didn't have to beg God hour upon hour to be forgiven. He said if you ask for forgiveness, you can receive forgiveness. He gives us forgiveness freely, and he tells us freely you receive, freely ought you to give. Stop withholding forgiveness from people. People trying to get right with you and you won't let it. I've had so many people, I find out somebody's offended me. I pick up, pick up the phone, I call them, try to make contact with them. And, well, I don't want to talk to you. Really? Because the Bible says that if there's a problem with us, we need to get it straight between us. And that's why if you ever come to me and tell me you have a problem with someone else, my first question to you is going to be, have you gone to them yet? Because the Scripture says you got a problem with somebody, you ought to go to them first. This, this was cut off gossip in the church you got to go to them you got to show love for them and if you understand that God is forgiving you it's going to make it easier for you to forgive them my mother's second husband was an evil man the stepfather that raised me he was a a violent man he was an abusive man Uh, he was raised in an orphanage under abuse and violence and uh, her marriage ended bad the whole thing was just a a living nightmare Uh, but after he After they got divorced, he used to come pick up my little brother who was his his adopted son, and he wasn't allowed in our house anymore. Y'all ladies know about that. You get him out. Don't let him back in. Amen. Hallelujah. But I used to go outside after I got saved, and I used to talk to him, and I used to share Christ with him, and it used to upset my mom. She's like, after all he's done to our family, how can you go out there and talk about love to that man and, and, and show any concern for that man? And this was before my mom became a Christian, and I told her this. I said, Mom, If God can forgive me for all that I put his son Jesus through on the cross, surely I can forgive him. You need to live with that mindset. If, If you believe God has forgiven you for all the things that you've done wrong, love covers a multitude. If God has forgiven you for your sins, who are you to hold someone else's sin over their head? Who are you to try to hold someone else hostage and captive to their past? and their, Well, you don't know what they did to I don't have to know exactly what they did to you for me to know that the Bible says to forgive them. Or for me to know that you're not forgiving them is hurting you more than it's hurting them. You're laying awake at night with all your hurt and all your pain, all your anger towards somebody. They're up the road getting high with a buddy. You're still worried about your ex and and mad about what your ex did. They have moved on and hooked up a hundred times since they left you. Move on. Forgive and move on. Cut the cord and move forward. Most important of all, keep showing deep love for each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has been called the love chapter. By many people, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Christians at Corinth, and he describes what love is. In verse 7, he summarizes by saying, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This does not sound like the type of love I see in people. Most people will let you be you a couple of times. Most people will accept you being you a couple of times. But if you be you too many times around them being them, they're gonna cut you off. Listen, that's why I tell people: if you're gonna love me, you're gonna have to love me in spite of me. Because I'm an imperfect man, I'm in my process of becoming who God wants me to be. Just like you're an imperfect person in your process, becoming who God wants you to be. We are gonna let each other down. That's why the Bible says it's foolish to trust in human flesh to put your confidence in God. We're gonna let each other down. If you only love people as long as they deserve it, well, he don't deserve my forgiveness. Freely you receive, freely ought you to give. Well, she don't deserve my love. Freely you receive, freely ought you to give. Love never gives up, comma. You got to stop and think about it. So when does love give up? So when should you give up loving someone? But that's not how we think. We got that Gomer Gomer Powell mindset. Y'all remember Gomer Powell? Gomer Powell said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Listen, that that may make some sense in the natural world, but whether they fooled you once, fooled you twice, fooled you three times like a lady, none of that matters. God says love doesn't give up. So I want to tell you something about every relationship you have that you believe God wants you to be in. Don't ever give up loving that person. Don't ever give up loving that person. No matter what they put you through, no matter what they do to you, no matter how hurtful it may be, the Bible says that real love never gives up. So people who give up on each other, people whose love fades, the Bible just says it was never real to begin with. Love never loses faith. Faith is believing in what you can't see. Faith is believing in in, in what doesn't look like is going to happen. The Scripture says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. It's what you hope for but you don't see. Well, love never loses faith. I talk to so many parents whose kids are wayward, not living the way they should, and they're scared that their children are going to die and not make heaven. But I tell them, just keep loving them. Just keep loving them. Just keep. Don't ever give up. Just keep believing that God is going gar- to grab hold of them. Keep believing best for the people you love. If you have a spouse that's not yet saved, keep believing in what you can't see, no matter how much they try to pull away from God, no matter how much your children try to pull away from God, no matter how much your friends try to pull away from God. The Bible says love doesn't lose faith. you got to believe for the people you love. Think about the man who was paralyzed and he couldn't get to Jesus before his friends took him on his cot and they cut a hole in some man's roof. I'm still wondering who paid for that. But they cut a hole in some man's roof and lowered him down into the room Jesus was. They loved him so much that their faith carried him, cut a hole in a roof just by faith, believing if we can get you to Jesus, he can do the rest. You need to believe for every person that you love, if you can just get them to Jesus, he will do the rest. If you can just pray them to Jesus, if you can just love them, love never loses faith. It ain't over till it's over. Keep believing. Keep loving. It says it's always hopeful. I, I, we're all raised in different places. We all are a sum total of our life's experiences. We've all been shaped by our environment. Some of us were brainwashed as children by parents who didn't know what they were doing. Anybody? All right, that's me. Well, one of the things that was early brainwashing in my childhood was the forced watching of bad television. One show in particular, Hee Haw. <laughs> Anybody remember Hee Haw? Let me tell you what. I was forced to watch Hee Haw because my mother's country as a turnip green. And the devil's an imitator. God's a creator. And the devil will use every subtle trick you can. That's why I tell people, listen to Christian music. The devil's original job was worship leader in heaven. The devil connects greatly to music. Music connects greatly to your soul. you got to watch what you allow in through your gates. The Bible says that don't let things in. Things come in through your eye gates, through your ear gates, through your mouth gates. you got to pay attention to what you let get into your head. Well, I was forced as a child to listen to the songs they sang on Hee Haw. And one of them shaped a a mindset, a bad mindset, a brainwashed mindset for an entire generation of people. And every day on Hee Haw they would sing that song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. What What kind of foolishness is that? was that your nighttime song? Come here, baby. Gloom, despair, and agony. What? Deep, dark depression? This is your song? Get you a better song. Get out of that mindset of depression. Get out of that mindset of negativity and have hope. What are you hoping for? Christian, what are you believing for? What big thing, what good thing are you expecting God to do? Hope is the true outworking of faith. You can say you believe God for everything, but if you can't tell me exactly what you're hoping for, then your faith is faulty. Hope is the outworking of faith. What are you hopeful for? I'm hopeful that all my children go to heaven, and I'm hopeful that one day... I, I, I would stop draining snot down the back of my throat. Hallelujah. That's two big ones for me right now. Talking about love. Not only does love never give up and never loses faith, it's always hopeful, but it also endures through every circumstance. Ah, Just had the rug snatched out from under you, offended person. Just had the rug snatched out from under you, I don't go to church anymore. Just had the rug snatched out from under you, excuse maker. All excuses just had the rug snatched out from under them. Why? Because the Bible says that real love endures through every circumstance. Church hurt. People hurt. Pastor let you down. Spouse let you down. Life lets you down. You let yourself down. You don't trust people. Scared of None of that. Why? Because love endures through every circumstance. So what can someone do to you to cause you to give up? Nothing. If your mind is stayed on the Lord, there is nothing. You really want to see somebody just blow their lid, just I mean, just flip their wig hard. Love them when they're trying to hate on you. Love them when 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 they're trying to be mean to you, just turn it on them. Bible said, love your enemies. Do good to those that try to do bad to you. Watch how crazy that boy, that'll drive them out their wig. I, I, stop being nice to me. I'm mad at you. If you want to be who God wants you to be, you got to stop being mad at people. you got to stop being mad at situations you can't do anything about. you got to stop being mad at where you are in life right now because God is in charge of everything. And you got to stop worrying about where you're going to be tomorrow and next year. I'm not saying don't plan. It's smart to plan. What I am saying is embrace your place. Embrace the place God has you right now. Wherever you are right now, there's a purpose for it. Embrace that. And let this season of life be a season of growth for you. In 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to pick up in verse 3, verse 1 and 2. Paul's already said, if I spoke with more tongues than everybody, and if I knew every mystery in the world. He goes on to say in verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor. Boy, you can stop and think about that. Well, that's deep. Could you imagine giving everything you have to the poor? Then he said, and even sacrificed my body. King James Version said, and even if I give my body to be burned. Now there's a list there from verse one all the way down to this verse. It's about if if I could speak with, with more tongues than all the angels, if I knew every prophecy, if I understood every mystery, if if I knew all the all the mysteries of life, if 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 I gave everything I have to the poor. And the last, last thing he gets to is if I even sacrifice my body. Now, those of you have been around for a while, you know what's happening there is is easier understood, more easily understood, through the law of priority listing. The thing that's most prevalent is listed first. Jelly beans, back of the bag, sugar, most dominant ingredient. The Bible, when it gives list, typically lists the most dominant thing first, and the least likely thing last. Every time the apostles are mentioned in the Gospels, the first four, always the first four, the last four, always the last four. There's a priority to the listing. Well, Paul goes on, he starts with his own relationship with God, and he ends up with Uh, and even if I give my body to be burned on the altar, or even if I sacrifice my body. I think what's cool to notice about that is right before he said, even if I give my body to be sacrificed, he said, even if I gave everything I have to the poor. The only thing that he was going to do, the only thing he was least likely to do before giving his body to be burned up was giving all his money away. And that's still how most people think today. If given the choice to give money to God or set their whole body on fire, a lot of people would have to sit down and think about it. Because most the, the, the statistics prove right now that less than 2% of churchgoers give any money to church. Wow. But the, the air conditioning stays on, the light bill stays on. Ministry continues to happen. Paul said, even if even if I sacrificed my own body, if I had everything going on like Donkey Kong, I, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. If you don't love others, you gain nothing. Doesn't matter how much scripture you can quote. If you don't love people, you've gained nothing. Doesn't matter how big your house is, how big your car is, how good your job is. If you don't love people, you'll have nothing. The Bible says that God has chosen the people who are poor in this world's money to be rich in faith. You'd be better off being rich in love and in faith than rich in money. Trust, more more rich people commit suicide than poor people. Why? Because they have have a bad day in the stock market. Listen, anybody in this room ever lost a million dollars in one day in the stock market? I I lost $52,000 over a nine-day period in the stock market. It was was highly depressing, but I held on to it, and thank God it came back. I'm saying this to to say that if you didn't have a million dollars in the bank to lose it, you ain't got to fret about losing it. No poor person ever woke up and thought, oh, God, what am I going to do? I just lost $17 million this week in my portfolio. We don't trust in money like that. We trust in the Lord, and the Lord never lets us down. But it's not about how much money you have. It's not about the house you live in, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, all the different things. If you don't have love, the Bible says, if you don't love other people, and listen, it ain't talking about, oh, I love everybody. And, 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 and your lip begins to twitch when you say that. Except that one person that just gets on your last night. No, you got to love everybody. It's easy to love people that are easy to love. You haven't done anything yet. Oh, but when you got to love those crazy folk, When you got to love hard to love people, that's when you find out how you're doing. Then he goes on to describe what love is in verse 4. I want you to listen to these characteristics of love because this is what God expects out of us. This is how God expects us to love each other. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says love is patient and kind. That's tough. That is tough. I'm still trying to figure out what they made a horn on the steering wheel for if they don't want you to honk it. (laughs) Y'all know, ever since we moved here, Every Sunday morning before we come to church, we stop at that Burger King right over there. And they mess my order up every week. I'm I'm trying to be patient with them. I'm trying to be kind. I give them my order. They repeat it back to me different. I like a chicken biscuit, a sausage egg and cheese. You want a chicken biscuit? Mm Mm-hmm. I like a chicken biscuit. uh, uh, Two chicken biscuits. No, I like a chicken biscuit. Patient, patient, and kind. So I get to the Burger King this morning knowing that I'm going to be patient and kind through the order. What I didn't anticipate is being the eighth car back from the speaker. Didn't like that, but that's try- I got to be patient. I got to be patient eight cars back. Well, the problem with Burger King is there's a way to go through the drive-thru, wrap around the backside, but other people try to sneak up the alley and merge in. You don't merge into folks folk that have been sitting there for 25 minutes you just pulled in the parking lot. Trust that. You don't merge in front of that black navigator that way. I got evidence on that. So I'm sitting eight cars back. Older lady sitting in front of me in a gray car. She's not paying attention. She's feeling with something in her purse. The whole line moves forward. Somebody's coming up the aisle, going to jump her. Well, do I really care that they're going to jump her? Let's get, let's get down to being real. <laughs> they're going to jump me. Let's be honest. So, you know, they put that horn on the thing for a reason, right? So I don't give her the, because that ain't a good noise for anybody. I give her a little, she got all frustrate, frustrated and mad for throwing her purse around and, and, and moved up. I'm thinking you can sling your purse around all you want to. When the line moves, we got to get on with the getting on. What, what am I telling you? Different people have different struggles. I am not comfortable around stupid. I, I do not thrive around ignorant. When the lion moves, move. But we've been seeing lately through Scripture that every difficult situation we have is an opportunity for us to grow. So I'm sitting behind crazy lady that don't know where the gas pedal is. Waiting on my opportunity to grow. Love's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. Ain't you glad you ain't perfect too? It's, it's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not the right way to love people. Verse 5 goes on to say it's not rude. It does not demand its own way. <laughs> That's so funny to me. I've had people tell me because I have spent a lot of years. on on debate forums, because I've spent a lot of years studying and reading and preaching and doing public speaking, I'm probably more comfortable talking than most people, especially when it comes to other people watching. I probably use words more than most people in the course of a week based on my speaking schedule, and because of that, I can be pretty difficult to argue with. Because I'm going to get my words out. I can keep talking long after you've stopped to breathe, and I can just keep going and going and going and going and going and going. And I've had people say, well, there's just no winning argument with you because you always think you're right. Do you realize both people that are arguing both think they're right? Get out of that. Well, I just can't win arguing with my wife because she always thinks she's right. Well, you think you're right too. That's why y'all are arguing. You don't argue when you, when, when you think she's right too. What you arguing with her about? You're making the same point. What are you arguing with him about? You're saying the same thing. But here's the bottom line. Real love doesn't demand its own way. So when you're arguing because you know you're right and he, and he wants his way and you want your way. Now, I just want what's right. No, you want your way. You need to understand you're not loving properly. Well, they should love me properly. And let me have my way. That's what people want. That's what people want to hear. Well, they throw that at them. Well, I got to be the big person. Because somebody has to. And you claim Christianity. Why wouldn't you want to be the one living right? Why wouldn't you want to be the one doing right? Why not let them have their Well, I'm tired of them having their own way. That's right back to, are you tired of yourself not praying? No. You excuse things in yourself that you expect out of others. Let's be fair in the way we live. It's not irritable. Oh, and this last one. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the trouble. If you're in a relationship with somebody with a good memory, you got trouble. Or if you're in a relationship with a hateful person, you got trouble. Why? Because it doesn't matter how long ago it was, she's still going to throw that up at you. I remember 37 years ago when that hussy walked by us in the cafe. I saw you look at her. 37 years ago? I hope he did. you still holding on to it. I hope he got a double look. I hope he got a good look. Love keeps no record. Well, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Oh, you got a record on it? You're keeping a record of it? You're anti-Christ? You oppose Jesus? You don't keep the scripture? You're not following what God says? And then people always go, we're here to talk about her, not me. (laughs) To get on him, not me. Everybody wants their way. And those long memory folk, well, they're keeping a record of every wrong thing that's ever been done. Verse 6 says, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. The only thing that should ever win in an argument is the truth. Stay on the side of righteousness. Stay on the side of truth. Don't fight just to be right. If you have to fight, fight to be on the side of truth. The Bible says in our opening verse that love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Dwelling on it separates friends. Love love prospers when you cover an offense. Peter said that most important of all, love covers a multitude of sins. I want to give you four more verses of scripture. And I'm gonna get out of here. In Genesis 9:20, the Bible has just come through the story about uh, Noah and his sons and the flood. And in verse 20 of Genesis 9, the Bible says, "After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent." You want to why you shouldn't get drunk? You might end up naked somewhere you ain't supposed to be, all right? Leave leave that alone. But Noah has now been delivered by God. He's planted a garden. He's happy. He's successful. He's drunk on his own success. And he's doing something that was not customary for him to be doing. He's laying naked inside his tent. Customarily, that was not the right way to, to be because those tents had traffic coming in and out of them. But he's laying inside his tent drunk and passed out. That's not a good look for anybody. You take the most awesome, you take the smokingest hot chick you ever met in the world, let her be passed out somewhere, that's not a good look on anybody. Best looking man you ever saw passed out drunk, that's not a good look on anybody. But that's where Noah is. And verse 22 says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe and laid it over their shoulders and back into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. All right, here's the story and the point. We'll go home. The one brother goes in. Ham goes in, and he sees his father laying naked. Now, most, how big a deal is that? I mean... Now, obviously, you don't want your kids seeing you naked. Listen, I, some of this stuff, if you're still breastfeeding a five-year-old, stop telling people he's 62 months old. That's a five-year-old. Get him a cup. Let me keep moving. It just, it, listen, you, you, once you teach your children how to take a shower, don't, don't, be, don't be bathing with your children. Listen, that, just ain't, that, ain't, that ain't proper. But a lot of commentators say that there was some type of sexual misconduct that took place in the tent. Many many people think that because Noah was drunk and his wife was there with him, that his youngest son came in there and tried to usurp his authority as the leader of the newfound clan by doing something with his wife. Other people think he did something gross with his dad. We don't know. The Bible's not clear about it. But something happened that made Noah so mad. When he woke up and found out what happened, he blessed his two sons and cursed this son and all his descendants and said, y'all be slaves forever. And... That, was, that, that group of pe- people are trying to wonder, well, where is that group of people now? That group of people died out with the Canaanites. Thank God that there's no generation, no group, no, no uh, race of people that are condemned to slavery forever. I've heard different people try to say this is why certain people are slaves. That group died off in Canaan and doesn't exist anymore. But as long as they were in existence, they were condemned to slavery because they were of their father. Canaan, but Shem and Japheth took a robe and held it over their shoulders, and didn't look, and and just draped a cover over their dad to cover his nakedness. Get this point, and I'm done. When you see something that you don't want, that you know you shouldn't be looking at, you need to look away. And if it's possible for you to cover it over, you need to look, cover it over as you look away. Too many people trying to expose something. Too many people trying to expose something that they should be covering. The Bible says love covers. Love is promoted when you cover an offense. Somebody does something wrong to you, stop picking up the phone telling everybody you know about it. Just throw a blanket over and say, God forgave me, I forgive them. Stop, stop putting everybody on blast on social media. The whole world don't need to know who you're mad at moment by moment. And and, and please understand this, some of y'all social media addicts, social media is not designed to give us a moment-by-moment update on your house cleaning. Vacuuming the floor in the living room, 918, 923, loading the dishwasher. This is not a personal journal. And it's certainly not a place to be throwing gas on people's fire. People get on these threads for hours at a time, arguing and fussing, exposing and carrying on. You need to be like the two sons that were right. You need to be willing to cover some things up, cover some things over. Not not, not cover over sin, but cover over nakedness. Cover over things that other people could take and do wrong with. Noah's laying their mind in his own business. He's not hurting anybody. But his youngest son's coming in there causing problems and trying to drag other people into it. Why? Because misery loves company. You got people trying to drag you the wrong way, you need to cut them off. You got people trying to drag you into the wrong kind of lifestyle, you need to cut them off. You got people trying to pull on you to do the wrong things and you know it's not right, you need to let that go. Why? Because one day God's going to come through with judgment. And you need to be standing on the side of right and not on the side of wrong. You need to be choosing righteousness and not sin. Think about this. If you knew the worst thing that you could know about Deacon West. If you, if you, if you thought you knew something about him. And you, you thought, I need to tell somebody. I already told you, don't come telling me something about you, you love me. Had, had a, a, a lady call me trying to talk bad about one of the members in our church. And, and I said, ma'am, I, I don't know you. I, I know him. And I'm not going to listen to you, you know, just pour gas on on somebody that I care about. And she told me, well, ain't you just his biggest fan? Well, just, you just in his pocket, ain't you? You just don't believe he can't do no wrong. I said, well, that may be true. I said, I hope you get a pastor in a church one day that will love you and be that way for you. Because I'm not believing wrong about the people I love. I'm not believing bad about the people I'm in relationship with. Does that mean that I'm gullible and naive and I think that they've never done anything? No, I know we've all done wrong stuff. But would I rather cover over that, or would I rather pull the curtain back on everybody and just let everybody's garbage hang all out? Quit putting your laundry, your dirty laundry, out for everybody to see it. And quit trying to expose other people's dirty laundry. You need to be a covering for the people you care about. You need to stop having that, I just want to expose somebody's spirit. Every time a preacher gets caught doing something wrong that he shouldn't be doing, the, the, the devil rejoices, and people are like, I knew it. I knew he wasn't no good. I knew he wasn't no good. Well, what about you? What if the worst episode of your life was played on tape for all these people to see? I never rejoice in the downfall of another. God said don't rejoice in someone else's downfall. God might turn that downfall into your downfall. Why rejoice when someone else gets in trouble? I'm glad they finally got exposed. I knew they were phony. Well, how about how phony you are? We need to get off other people. We need to learn how to cover for other people. I'm not saying lie for anybody, and I'm not saying to not expose sin. I'm saying when you hear stuff, throw a wet blanket on that fire of gossip. Let it it end with you. Let it end with you. I've heard people talk about that circle game where you sit in a circle and you whisper a story in someone's ear and it go all the way around the table. By the time it comes back to the last person, it's completely changed and different. And, and, I, and I've done that before and it happens that way. But what should have happened, one of those people in that circle should have just cut it off and said, I ain't listening to it. Y'all figured out y'all's own self down the, down the rest of the table. Are you the type person who is willing to cover for those you love or are you an exposing spirit? An entire generation of people were condemned because one person in their family had a spirit of exposing. Well, the spirit of God wants us to have is love. You never take the worst thing your child did and put it out on front street. But you hear something someone else's child did and you want to put them on blast for it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask us to all do better when it comes to loving people. Stop telling stuff you know about people. Throw a blanket over that. I don't choose to look at it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to dwell on it. Throw a blanket over it. Be a gossip stopper. And let your bitterness go. Stop holding people hostage to your hurt. Let that go. I'm not going to take time to have a big altar call invitation this morning. But what I want you to know is every one of us in this room are only one prayer away from being totally right with God. Because God said if you'd confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You need to pray and ask God to help you forget and get over your past. You need to pray and ask God to help you forgive everyone who ever hurt you so you can move forward. I was going to have a big invitation and have everybody come forward that had any issue with unforgiveness. But you don't have to come forward if you have an issue with unforgiveness. You know sitting right where you are if you have an issue with unforgiveness. You don't need to come forward and pray with me, but you do need to ask God to allow you to forgive others, even as he's forgiven you. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others for what they've done to you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you for what you've done to him. Get a forgiving spirit and get a covering spirit. Stop being a gossip and stop holding on to the past. And love will grow. And this is what we need. We need love to grow. We need love in our church to grow. We need love in our community to grow. We need love in this world to grow. People arguing all day long about who's right and who's wrong. Well, the bigger question is, who's showing love? Because God said above everything else, keep loving each other with a deep love, a real love. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us in spite of ourselves. Thank you for loving us where we are, as imperfect as we are. Please help us to love each other. Help us, God, to release all bitterness, all negativity, all hurt. Help us to walk in forgiveness, God, and help us to be more willing to cover than to expose. Help us to love you and to love each other the way you've commanded us to, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.